Shalom. Greetings. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. The website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, here and sometime in the near future, I'm going to do like an update video or something like that about what the plans are uh, with the podcast moving forward, uh, specifically with the Friday podcast. Uh, we will not be doing the tour portion this year. We've done it about four years. Um, not to say that we won't do it again and not to say that I'm not struggling with the idea of not doing it, but I just thought we would take a break from it this year and give us an opportunity to focus on some other things. I'll be talking about that uh, maybe a little more uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, for the time being, though, I thought it would be prudent and wise to continue a study that we started earlier this year, uh, which was the prophet Isaiah. Uh, we went through the first 14 chapters um, and kind of got distracted with some other projects. So today we are resuming our study in the prophet Isaiah we're going to be reading chapters 15, 16, and 17. And none of these are super long. Uh, so here's kind of what's on uh, the agenda in the story, uh, starting with chapter 15. 15 and 16 deals with the judgment of Moab and prophecies concerning the judgment of Moab. Now, Moab was a country that was about 30 miles east of the Dead Sea. Um, of the Aaron River. So just to give you kind of a, a point of reference of, of where that was, it would have about, been about 30 miles from Israel. And then chapter 17 deals with the prophecy of the destruction of Damascus. Now, there's some thoughts about this because Damascus, uh, it was the capital city of a country called Aram, uh, which now it's Syria. Um, and it was an important trade route between Mesopotamia and Egypt. So it was a very influential city uh, in Isaiah's day. It was destroyed. Um, the reason some speculate that this is still yet a future fulfillment is because they interpret chapter 17, the destruction of Damascus, as kind of like a forever destruction, right? Like in a complete upheaval never to be a city again and we know that damascus is a very famous and popular city to this day i could see the possibility of that being true especially with the developments we're seeing in the middle east right now lord help us all so it may be worth uh, paying close attention to chapter 17 as we get to it so that's what's on the agenda for today. Obviously, even though this is not necessary, like chapters like the destruction of Moab and all that, it's probably got no relevance to us uh, to t today and to the future. But it does demonstrate how God deals with nations. Okay, so that's the important part, especially as we see what's developing in the world right now. I'm telling you guys what you're seeing happening around the world, specifically in the Middle East, specifically with Israel and the surrounding nations and even other large nations who will eventually be completely and utterly involved, is incredibly prophetic. It's, it's one of the most important events for you to pay attention to. 
um, in this generation. I really, really believe that. It may not seem like it at the moment, but trust me, there's a lot of things at play right now. There's going to be so much deception, it's going to be hard to know your right hand from your left if you're not careful and you're not staying in God's Word and staying in the presence of the Lord. Very, It's going to be very, very difficult to know the truth. Be diligent about your relationship with God, about prayer, and you buckle up. Buckle up. All right. That's all I'm going to say about that today. Let's read 15, 16, and 17 from the prophet Isaiah. Open up your hearts. See if there's something here that'll speak to your heart today. Let's begin. Chapter 15, verse 1. The Oracle Concerning Moab. Surely in a night, Ar of Moab is devastated and ruined. Surely in a night, Ker of Moab is devastated and ruined. They have gone up to the temple, to Daban, even to the high places to weep. Moab wails over Nebo and Medeba. Everyone's head is bald and everyone's beard is cut off. In their streets they have girded themselves with sackcloth. On their housetops and in their squares everyone is wailing. Dissolved in tears, Heshbon and Layla also cry out. Their voice is heard all the way to Jahaz. Therefore the armed men of Moab cry aloud. His soul trembles within him. My heart cries out for Moab. His fugitives are as far as Zoar, Aglath, Shalashayah. For they go up the ascent of Luhith weeping. Surely on the road to Haranaman, they raise a cry of distress over their ruin. For the waters of Nimrim are desolate. Surely the grass is withered, the tender grass died out. There is no green thing. Therefore the abundance which they have acquired and stored up, they carry off over the brook of Aribim. For the city of distress has gone around the territory of Moab. Its walls go as far as Egalam, and its wailing even to Baralam. For the waters of Diman are full of blood. Surely I will bring added woes upon Diman a lion upon a fugitive of Moab and upon the remnant of the land. Please note, so that's chapter 15. Notice that they keep going up to like their pagan religious center, their heathenism, Demon. Interesting name, right? Uh, you know, they go up to it weeping and they've got their ashes and their sackcloth, but they're weeping to false god they're 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 not weeping to the one true god they're weeping to gods made by hands and of course the the continue we're getting ready to continue this but the promises there's not even going to be a remnant left but because god's merciful i believe what we'll see here in the next few verses is opportunity 
to turn. Because that's how God operates, right? Extends opportunity for repentance. Think about Nineveh. They did horrific things to the Jews. But God sent one of his prophets to warn them. And he even tells his prophet Jonah, should I not care about the animals there, the people there, and the children there? God is compassionate and merciful. Let's continue on, verse 16, or chapter 16, verse 1. Send the tribute lamb to the ruler of the land, from Selah by the way of the wilderness to the mountain of the daughter of Zion. Then like fleeing birds or scattered nestlings, the daughters of Moab will be at the fords of the Aran, Arnon. Give us advice, make a decision, cast your shadow like night at high noon. Hide the outcast, do not betray the fugitive. Let the outcasts of Moab stay with you. Be a hiding place to them from the destroyer. For the the extortioner, extorner has come to an end. Destruction has ceased. Oppressors have completely disappeared from the land. A throne will even be established in loving kindness. And a judge will sit on it, faithfulness, in the tent of David. Moreover, he will seek justice and be prompt in righteousness. We have heard the pride of Moab, an excessive pride, even of his arrogance, pride and fury. His idols boast are false. Therefore, Moab will wail, every one of Moab will wail. You will moan for the raisin cakes of Kerhasheth, as those who are utterly stricken. For the fields of Heshbon have withered, the vines of Sibma as well. The lords of the nations have trampled down its choice clusters, which reached as far as Jazir and wandered to the deserts. Its tendrils spread themselves out and passed over the sea. Therefore, I will weep bitterly for Jazir, for the vine of Sibma. I will drench you with my tears, O Heshbron and Elayla, for the shouting over your summer fruits and your harvest has fallen away. Gladness and joy are taken away from the fruitful field. In the vineyard also there will be no cries of joy or jubilant shouting. No treader treads out wine in the presses, for I have made the shouting to cease. Therefore my height, my heart intones like a harp for Moab, and my inward feelings for Ker Heresheth. So it will come about when Moab presents himself, when he wearies himself upon his high place and comes to his sanctuary to pray that he will not prevail. This is the Lord which the Lord spoke earlier concerning Moab. But now the Lord speaks, saying, Within three years, as a hired man would count them, the glory of Moab will be disgraced along with his great population, and his remnant will be very small and impotent. So that's chapter 16. It talks about the state of what the people will be like. This just mourning and grieving... It's hard for 
many in the Western world to conceive such a situation. But what we have here in the West is, the, is a similar attitude, pride, an overwhelming pride, an overwhelming arrogance. And I really believe that, th that at some point the day will come when that pride and that arrogance will be turned to grieving, to mourning, to lamenting, to fear. And look, I don't want that to happen. I live in the West, right? But at some point... The pride and the arrogance has to be dealt with. At some point, the shaking the fist at God and spitting at the cross has to be dealt with. Alright, let's read chapter 17, the prophecy of Damascus. We only have 14 more verses and then we're going to be wrapped up for this morning. Let's have a look. Chapter 17, verse 1. The oracle concerning Damascus. Behold, Damascus is about to be removed from being a city and be, will become a fallen ruin. Please note the King James says it like this. The burden of Damascus, behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city and it shall be a ruinous heap. That is why I think some uh, look at it and go, eh, it seems like this prophecy is not fulfilled. Uh, even though if you go look at old commentaries, John Wesley and the like, uh, they say it was fulfilled and that you can see kind of the examples of that in second Kings 16, nine. Um, reasonable, reasonable to think that, um, but taken away from being a city. If you're a literalist, and many of us are, then you kind of look at it like, well, Damascus is still a city, a thriving city. Uh, it's not been taken away. This is something that we may see happen as part of the prophetic future. All right, let's continue on. I'll just start over chapter 17. The oracle concerning Damascus. Behold, Damascus is about to be removed from being a city and will become a fallen ruin. The cities of Or are forsaken. They will be for flocks to lie down in, and there will be no one to frighten them. The fortitude city will disappear from Ephraim, and the sovereignty from Damascus, and the remnant of Aram. They will be like the glory of the sons of Israel, declares the Lord of hosts. Now in that day, the glory of Jacob will fade, and the fatness of his flesh will become lean. It will be even like the reaper gathering the standing grain, as his arms harvest the ears. Or it will be like the one gleaning ears of grain in the valley of Raphaim. Yet, gleanings will be left in it like a shaking of an olive tree. Two or three olives on the topmost bow, four or five on the branches of a fruitful tree, declares the Lord, the God of Israel. In that day, man will have regard for his maker, and his eyes will look to the Holy One of Israel. 
He will not have regarded it for the altars, the work of his hands, nor will he look to that which his fingers have made. Even the Asherim and incense stands. In that day their strong cities will be like forsaken places in the forest, or like branches which they abandoned before the sons of Israel, and the land will be a desolation. For you have forgotten the God of your salvation, and you have not remembered the rock of your refuge. Therefore you plant delightful plants, and set them with the vine, slips of strange God. And the day that you plant it, you carefully fence it in, and in the morning you bring your seed to blossom. But the harvest will be a heap in the day of the sickliness and the incurable pain. Alas, the uproar of many peoples, who roar like a roaring of the seas, and the trembling of nations, who rush on like the rumbling of mighty waters. The nations rumble on like the rumbling of many waters, but he will rebuke them, and they will flee far away, and be chased like chaff in the mountains before the wind, or like the whirling dust before the gale. At evening time, behold, there is terror. Before morning, they are no more. Such will be the portion of those who plunder us, and the lot of those who pillage us. That is the end of our study. It's interesting because it's like they're being, this is happening to Damascus because of what it kind of ends with. Behold, when it's evening time, right? You go to bed and boom, terror. And before morning, they are no longer. Such will be the portion of those who plunder us and those who pillage us. That is our study in the book of Isaiah. I don't know um, if it blessed you or not. Um, sometimes we, when we read books like this, we read histor his historical books, sometimes it's hard to connect a relevance for us today, but the Word of God never goes forth and comes back void. So I'm certain that there's been something here that's blessed you this morning. I thank you for tuning in and for listening, and I thank those of you who pray for the podcast and who support this ministry. Um, it's far beyond what I deserve. And we've got much more coming. Um, the plan is, Lord willing, after the first of the year, to do a study that has to do with the beginning, uh, where we're looking at not just Genesis, but we're looking at Enoch and Jubilees and Jasher, and it's going to be... It's going to be a huge undertaking, uh, but uh, Lord willing, we'll get it done, and I think it'll be a blessing to many. Uh, but it will be have to be wait until after the first year when I can commit that kind of time uh, to the study. We need to finish our uh, Gospel of Matthew and stuff like that, uh, but that is the plan, is to get to that. So, with all that said, thank you for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you, and until next time. God bless.